So today, from the uh, we have a kinship caregiver, um, Lori Tabazada. She's going to be talking about you know kinship caregiving and and grand families as well mm -hmm. as kinship families. So going to give us a lot of clarity. Explain That's, kinship exactly to us. Yeah, about what it is because there's a lot of families who are probably out there not knowing that they're a kinship family, and we'll find out after this podcast if they are or are not. All right. We're also going to talk about a lot of the needs of kinship families and, and the resources and resources, programs. Resources, yes. Awesome. So that's very important. I can't wait. I can't either. So without further ado, joining us today on the Totally Preventable Podcast, we have Lori Tapazada, the kinship caregiver, here with us today on Totally Preventable. And Lori, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I, I appreciate this chance to talk a little bit today about our kinship caregivers and their needs. So thank you. Right. All right. It's our pleasure. And to start off, can you tell us what is a, a kinship caregiver? What's a kinship family? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that because we use that term all the time and plenty of kinship families have no idea that they are kinship caregivers. So it is good to define that right from the start. So a kinship caregiver is someone who steps forward to take care of a child or children when their parents cannot safely do so. And there are relative kinship caregivers. So, you know, grandmas and grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins, adult siblings, whatever. And then there's also another category that we use the word fictive kinship caregivers. And that just means that it's somebody that has a pre-existing relationship with the family. So it can be even a neighbor, um, it can be a teacher, it can be a nurse in the hospital. It can be a parent of a friend of the child. It can be anybody that has that pre-existing relationship. And when they find out the kid may be going into care, they step forward to care for the child. So that's it in a nutshell. This is um, near and dear to my heart. My great aunt um, took care of me for quite a bit of time in my life. So, and um she never, she, we never used the word kinship. So she was just, no. she was just helping out and taking that's care. Right. Of that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yep. You know, that's interesting to me. And I, I think I'm going to reach out to you at a later date to talk more to you. Cause that's a voice we don't hear that often is kids that have been raised in, in kinship homes mm -hmm. and all the benefits, you know, that came from that. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to talk to you further about that. Very lucky to have her. So um, so what got you involved in kinship families? Well, what happened was that um, I had a daughter who had have a daughter, she's still with us, um, who had a child at 19. And she was not really able to even take care of herself at 19. Um, and so she was living with me and the baby. And um, she was open to the department because she'd had kind of a terrible trauma history growing up through her teens. She's an adopted daughter. And so when she, she gave birth to the child, she, you know, she was opened up to the department automatically. Mm -hmm. And then um, one day she said, mom, will you babysit? I'm going to go to the mall, you know, with my sister. And, you know, I'd like it if you could take care of the baby. And I told her, sure. So then hours and hours and hours went by 
And my other daughter who had been with her returned home, but without this one. And I could not get a hold of her to save my life. Um, she didn't come back, you know, et cetera, and so on. So I had to, I called the police and then I had to call the department because she was open to the department. And then the next day I got the famous call. That's what kinship people we talk about, the call. <laughs> when, when did you get the call and what was happening at the time? And I got the call and I, the social worker said to me, I'm on my way over to pick up the baby unless you can care for him. So I was like, yeah. And, you know, inside my head, I was literally like, no, of course not. No way. I am way too old for this. And I have a job and this kid's not even in daycare. And what the heck would I do? And I don't even remember how to take care of a baby and all this stuff. But the words were, I'll take them. <laughs> Very common, you know, that we're all like, no. And then we're like, there's no way I can hand this child over, you know, to be with a stranger family. Not that foster parents aren't wonderful people. They are, but it's always better when the child can remain with their family if possible. So I became a kinship caregiver. I didn't know that word at the time either. I had no idea. Um, and for whatever reason, I kind of fell through the cracks and I never was told that there was training or anything like that. And I didn't know a single other family like me. And it was hard. It was so hard. I had no clue about anything baby. You know, it had been a number of years and and just everything, you know, in kinship families, all the internal relationships and stuff, it's just crazy. And then one day um, somebody said to me, oh, Lori, I met these people um, this, from someplace called The Village, The Village for Rhode Island Foster and Adoptive Families, and they will understand, they will get it, call them, because I used to call that poor friend prior to. So I called them and in fact, it was awesome. I spent one hour sobbing. And then after that, I became part of a community and everything changed. And I've learned that, you know, all that suffering was totally preventable if I had just been hooked up earlier to a community that I could relate to and talk to and find out things from. So that is how I became involved with all of this. That was the start. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Now, is it common that there is a call prior to uh, the, the placement of the, of the child? Is it like, is it state it, practice? Yes. Or? It is a state practice because Rhode Island, believe it or not, you know, we have our struggles. But in this area, um, we are like national leaders in terms of the percentage of kids that we can put into kinship homes. So this might surprise you, but almost three quarters of the kids that have to be placed, you know, in a home end up with kin. So, cause we've had a long standing philosophy about the value of kin. That wasn't always that way. You know, I remember back in the day, it really wasn't that way, but now it is. So yes, when a child is coming into care, the first thing that happens is that a team will kick into place to look for, a kin, you know, a family member that can and is able to take the kids. So, so yeah. So it's not always someone who has been um, really closely involved in the child's life. No, sometimes it can be, you know, an aunt and an uncle that 
saw everybody on the holidays and, you know, once in a mm-hmm. while or whatever. Um, so no, it's not always, a lot of times it is. Yeah. Um, cause out of all those kinship caregivers, like at least 70% of them are grandparents. Mm-hmm. That's the most common thing. Yeah. And most of the time the grandparents have been closely involved one way or another. So like we, we, t- I talked to many grandparents that they were taking care of the kid anyway you know, informally. And then some, something happened that triggered the call, you know, to the department. And then the child was brought into foster care. And sometimes it's hard for those grandparents to understand that life changes at that point. You know, you're not just grandma anymore. Now you're a foster parent. And so you got to follow these rules and regulations and things you can and cannot do so on and so forth. So sometimes that's, you know, a a bit of a transition for the grandparents. What would be examples of how, I know you gave, you know, you told your story and there was an example in there, but what are other examples that would lead to a family dynamic being changed to a kinship family? Well, any type of, uh, you know, reported abuse and or neglect or domestic violence, um, you know, people call the hotline every day. The The two biggest things are, are mental health and substance use. Substance use is a huge problem, which causes kids to be removed from home. But, you know, when people, teachers call into the hotline, other family members, you know, so there's a variety of reasons that the child would need to be removed. And so I'm assuming there's some resources involved with um, being an official kinship family that maybe some um, grandparents or other family members don't know about that are um, that is sure so there's just so true struggling along <laughs> yep. yep and so dear to my heart yeah um, you brought that up but yeah I mean it is traumatic to you know have the kid go into care and the whole experience can be you know stressful but if a kinship family is open to the department, they do receive the same reports that non-kin foster parents get. So they do get a monthly stipend to take care of the kid. Um, they do get health insurance for the kid. They do get um, daycare or, you know, before and after school care up until the age of six paid for, um, you know, and other benefits that come along the way. So it is helpful you know, because especially sometimes you have a grandparent maybe on a fixed income and then all of a sudden they have three kids in their one bedroom apartment, you know, so it's, it can be really something. Um, so yes, there are resources, whereas families not open to the department and have never been open to the, have no clue half the time that there's anything out there for them. And there are things. Um, that is one thing that we're working really hard on right now, because my program within the department, we're only open to families currently active with the department. We don't have the resources or the budget to be able to, you know, support all kinship families. So um, we had recently started collaborating with the Office of Healthy Aging, which gave a grant to um, the same, the Village Rhode Island Foster and Adoptive Families, along with another newer organization called the Heart Tree that has the same mission as the village, but they serve Spanish speaking um, kinship families. 
And the goal of the whole project is to do that outreach, find and engage, you know, kinship caregivers who are out there by themselves, just like I was for that first year, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, we've made some strides in, in that, in that project. It's been great. We, we do like a lot of outreach and there's also wonderful family events um, there, we do get resources through various ways to help kinship families with things. So it's been really, really good. And that, that grant was renewed for another year. So they'll be able to build on what they already did. And like I said, we, we collaborate with them a great deal, you know, to make sure that families are getting what they need, because even a kinship family who was open to the department, let's say they, they got permanency with the child. Let's say the parents were not able to do, you know, what was needed to have the kids go safely home and be reunified and they took guardianship or they adopted the kids. So now they're no longer with the department, but they're still out there and likely they probably do still need support, you know, because that's the other thing. A lot of our kids, I'm sure you know this, who go through chronic trauma, you know, over time, it has lasting effects. You know, it has lasting effects on the children behaviorally, emotionally, you know, mental health, um, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want to be sure that when families do close out from the department, they're hooked up to community resources so that they're not just living on their island. Mm -hmm. When you were put into this position, what is the one thing that you were most, do I want to say caught off guard? Was the, was the biggest lesson that you learned being put into this position? And then what's the biggest tip that you can give another grandparent about to be put in this position? Okay. So the first part was what? The second part's very easy for me to answer a tip. That part is so easy. <laughs> the first part would be, what was the biggest thing that you learned being put in this position? You know, I think I knew intuitively before, but I think what I really did learn is that kinship caregivers are wonderful people. I'm just going to say that they're the people that can sacrifice, you know, for their kin children. You know, they can set aside their dreams and goals because not many of us were dreaming about this doing this in our later years, you know, it was not on our bucket list. And we might have had dreams and hopes about what we wanted to do once we retired or, you know, whatever. But kinship caregivers are able and willing to just say, you know what, I didn't really want to go to Florida anyway, you know, and focus on the kids. And so I love working with them. I love working with them. They're just a special group of people. So that was what I learned. And then my tip would be for sure for any kinship family that might hear this, please get involved, step forward, let yourself be known because, you know, there's so many like fun events to go to and you're surrounded by other kinship families doing the same thing. Your kids are able to meet other kids living in the same situation. You have people to call if you're desperate for something, you can call and, you know, get hooked up with whatever. So I would say um, there is the website that was put together for the Office of Healthy Aging Project is a place I would send any kinship caregiver because it lists 
all of the resources that are available to kinship caregivers with a special section for caregivers 55 plus. And then also there on there is the contact information for both the village and the heart tree. Mm -hmm. So that would be a good place to start. Um, but we literally just last Saturday, we had an ice cream social and it was so much fun. You know, we just all came together. The adults were dying to talk to each other. The kids were running around like banshees, but playing games and eating their ice cream and, you know, cupcakes and sugaring up. And it was just a lot of fun. And this past summer, we had a big event that was so wonderful called Gramping and Pampering. <laughs> we kind of stole the idea from California. They did a gramping event where they took everybody to a campground. We just added the pampering part, but we did it um, in Coventry at the Westwood YMCA, who were very supportive of us and helped us so much. And it was just unbelievable. You know, the kids were able to swim, boat. Mm -hmm. There were games everywhere. Um, we had special like entertainment, which was so cute because like the kids, of course, are all dancing. Kids will always start dancing the minute, you know, you do that. But here's the grandparents you know, <laughs> with them. So cute. And it was just the best thing. It was very heartwarming and everybody feels better, you know, mm -hmm. after they've connected. You know, I'm not alone. This is not just me, you know? Right. So my big tip, definitely get involved, get connected and your life will change for the better. I would think um, that the resources, the financial and um, those kind of resources are Excellent. But having other people ex with the similar experience that you can um, talk to and ask questions to just about any, you know, anything, uh, sickness, you know, kids being sick or technology must be a big one and things like that, that maybe there aren't actual um, state resources for, but other people in the group that have knowledge that can give tips and things that they've learned along the way must be so helpful. It is so good. And families always say the same thing. Now I know I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So their solitary suffering was totally preventable. Yeah. <laughs> with other people. <laughs> and, and looking, you know, throughout for grand families and, and kinship families, it's, it's a very close knit community. It's a very, it's um it, there there's a lot of people there is a, a large number of grand families that we have or kinship families that we have in Rhode Island but seems like there there's no way in I want to say there's it's like once you're in the circle you're in the circle but getting into that circle is yes. not an easy feat at it's like all. fight club. Exactly. <laughs> exactly it's like fight it's so club. true like you it just because even just doing the outreach and engaging families is not always easy, you know, because also like kinship families, we have our own issues, you know, around shame and stuff, even though we might have nothing to feel, you know, guilty about, but we do, it's our family, you know, so, and then trust and this and that and the third. So kinship families are not always easy to engage, but once you do, it is awesome. Yeah. It is so awesome to see. Um, there must be a wide age range as well because I know some um grandparents that have taken in their grandchildren that are in their 40s yes mm -hmm. um and then of course there's much older grandparents too so it must be a wide range which is also helpful I would think when um connecting with one another you've got experience yeah. and 
the younger generation too. Yeah, you're right. There is a wide range for sure. Um, with the Office of the Health, Healthy Aging grant, they're targeting 55 plus. Mm -hmm. But every event that we do, we invite all kinship caregivers, regardless of age, um, because of that. We have kinship caregivers who are in their 20s because they are a sibling yep. of their you know, their siblings came into care and they stepped forward to take care of their siblings. So, I mean, yeah, the age range is huge. Oh, that's heartwarming. Yeah. I like that. It is. Now, in, in your field and in your work, what are, let's say, three of the, the top needs that you're noticing that kinship families are, are coming into the new family dynamic with? Definitely financial would be right up there at the top, especially if, like I said, sometimes you know, ki kids are coming into a home that's not big enough for them, you know? And so then housing becomes an issue. So, cause they're trying to find another apartment, you know, with more bedrooms, but now you got to come up with the security department, the first month's rent and all that stuff. So financial is definitely way up there um, for needs and housing is a significant thing too. Mm -hmm. um, Actually, I went to a conference in Washington, D.C. over the summer it, for Generations United. It's like a multi-generational thing around kinship and other multi-generational efforts. And I thought it was a myth, but it turned out to be reality that they actually have housing, big, huge apartment complex for kinship families. Wow. Entire place is filled with kinship families and not just having the housing, but they have programming too. So mm -hmm. they have stuff for the kids, you know, they have all kinds of stuff that they're able to access resources. They get to know each other. They provide support to each other. Um, one lady was telling me like she had had to go into the hospital and she's like, she didn't know what she would do. Well, they stepped right up. Somebody else took the kids while, you know, she was in the hospital and supported her when she came home. It was super cool. And there's another one in New York, and it's one area that I want to um, to work on in Rhode Island because yeah. if they can do it, we can do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and in fact, um, I also run the the Rhode Island Statewide Kinship Advisory Council. We have a meeting coming up on the 18th of this month, and the man that runs that housing is joining us, so yeah. he can tell us about it and stuff and start to you know, maybe we can start thinking together as a group, like how could we make this a reality in Rhode Island? Because that is a huge need, mm -hmm. you know, for, for the families. The other need right now, that's a very pressing need. And it's not just for kinship families is um, getting the right, you know, clinical services in place mm -hmm. because we've got a severe shortage in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. So that's, tough. I, I was just working with a family. It's been almost a year until the clinical services finally clicked into place. Well, that's tough. Mm -hmm. You know, when you've got kids who are very traumatized and need a lot, you know, so that's, that's an ongoing need. Um, but obviously I don't think that's going to get any better until it gets better as a whole. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that is a need. And of course, emotional support is huge. Because when, you, when you're going through it, it's just so uh, like goopy, messy, distressing, stressful, you know, mm -hmm. and it really does help if you have somebody to, to talk to about it. 
um, and to hook you up with whatever services are out there. Right. You know, as soon as you can get them. So if um, if someone listening is wondering where they should poke around, they should go to the the office of it. It's it's <laughs> kinship community connections. Oh boy. Okay. Org. Yep. And it's um, like I said, it's a relatively new website and so it still needs some work and building but it has quite a number of resources listed it's got um you know like announcements of events and things like that it's got the occasional blog posts it's got you know that stuff and like i said it's got all the information for the village and the heart tree and so if i wanted to say one thing call them call them or email them you know they'll help you right away you know we have um a family fall festival coming up in October, you know, that's a great place to go and meet people, you know, for the first time, just come There's all kinds of games for the kids. Everything we do is always free of charge to the families and there's a lot going on. So that is what I would, I would say, you know, or if you want to skip the site, go straight to the village or the heart tree. You can do that too, but the site is good because it lists a lot of stuff. Uh, Lori, can you tell us, um, like give us a, brief summary about what the kinship advisory council is all about and, and yeah what work you're doing absolutely so the kinship advisory council um brings together you know around one table so to speak the various organizations that work directly or indirectly with kinship families so the purpose of it is for all of us to share an understanding of you know what is out there for kinship families what are the challenges and needs and things like that to hopefully break down some of the silos that exist um, and to hear from kinship caregivers themselves because kinship caregivers also attend the meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, over the couple of years that it's been in operation, we've been able to do a lot of things between members of the council. So for example, working with um, 211 and United Way, you know, we managed to get kinship caregivers like on the table as a family caregiver, because there's a whole pot of money that comes down from the feds to the states around family caregivers, but kinship caregivers were never on that list, mm -hmm. you know, and kinship caregivers were not um, eligible for the respite program that we have in Rhode Island. So we had been working with them on that. They got on the, the plan, the, um, you know, the family caregiver plan, the statewide plan for Rhode Island. And so now they're routinely recognized as being family caregivers, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, with DHS, for example, we were able to identify what we call a warm contact for kinship families to call should they have questions or challenges around whatever they're trying to do, you know, with, with DHS. Um, and of course, I can't think of everything off the top of my head right now, but, you know, various things like that have happened where, you know, we try to come together and work together on, you know, assisting our kinship families. Full disclosure, I am a member of that council. <laughs> and when when Lori just mentioned who our guest speaker for this month's meeting is, I'm pretty excited because... I remember when you gave us the preface that you were heading to DC. And, yes. You know, we were talking about it. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if uh, something like that can actually exist, but it's it's really cool to hear. Yeah. We're hearing that um, 
Representative Ayanna Presley was was trying to do something in Massachusetts, but then it you know I stopped hearing about it. But it's great to hear that you know something is actually the brick and mortar is already it's right there. It's yeah, and not only there, but it's working, it's functioning. We spoke to the residents, and you know we dropped in on the the teen room or whatever, and they were all getting ready to go off swimming somewhere. And I was like, oh my god, how great could that be? Like really, <laughs> you know, especially for a single caregiver like me, you, you need any opportunity to get some, you know, anybody you want to take him to the beach, you know, <laughs> and that must be nice for the kids that are um, single kids that are, um, yes, only children. Yeah. Only children as an only child. I couldn't think of only child, <laughs> single, single sibling here yeah. um, because often if you're just I don't want to say stuck with your grandparent, but like sometimes that might feel like it if you're, um, you know, a, ready to go out and do things and it's just you and someone older, it must be nice to have some friends and especially friends that understand um, what you're going through. Yes. And it's a yeah. Here and, yeah. I'm still not over my mommy and me soccer months. <laughs> <laughs> Was that did that involve you playing soccer? Yeah. <laughs> not just watching and cheering. Not just watching, no, right on the field, bouncing it off my head and everything else. I love it. That is great. That is great. Wow. Is there an organization that um maybe people um aren't aren't in a kinship family? but this is close to their heart or they're very interested in it that they can contribute to or volunteer to? Is there some way for people to help kinship families? Well, absolutely. Um, if anybody was interested in volunteering for either the village or the heart tree, that would be awesome. And then we can work together. We're, we're very collaborative, mm -hmm. you know, so we can work together to figure out, you know, what would be the most help. Um, I know that for one thing, every year I just dread this and I'm sorry, I sound like a Scrooge, but the holiday season is coming up mm -hmm. and every year I already know, you know, all the families we work with, I know a lot of the families need help, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's not always easy to find that help because you can find millions of people who will donate toys mm -hmm. for kids. Mm -hmm. Usually every year, that's not a problem. Like a lot of toys come in. Um, they come into the village, it comes in through Foster Forward. They sometimes they do, donate directly to the department. But um, but every year the families, which is great help and greatly appreciated, and I'm not saying otherwise, but every single year the extra expenses of the holiday season are just crushing, mm -hmm. you know, for some families. And so I decided that every year I go through this, I'm like, oh my God, well, okay, it's October. I'm starting now. But we are going to see what we can do um, just to get the word out there that like gift cards would be so appreciated, mm. you know, um, whether it's a Walmart gift card, a stop and shop gift card or whatever, you know, gift cards are always appreciated. And even for teens, too, because that's the other thing. People bring toys in, but nobody thinks about the teens and they're always stuck with nothing. Mm -hmm. So gift cards are good, you know, for the teens, too. But that's another way if somebody wanted to you know, help with gift cards, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, there's so many different ways to help, 
you know, I, there is this one program in upper state New York, I think it is where a church started a program where they actually recruited and trained a little army of volunteers and they go and help the kinship families, like legit, like it snowed, we're going out to shovel the snow, mm. rake the leaves, help the kids with homework, give a kid a ride, like day to day help, you mm. know? Yeah. If we had something like that here, that would be so cool too. Because yeah. those are things, you know, we're talking about sometimes our older caregivers may not even drive anymore, or maybe they never drove. Right. You know. Um, and so there's always stuff like that. If anybody had an interest, mm -hmm. right. love to have you. You can send them to me if you want. I will allocate them accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This has been great. It has been. I'm so excited. There's these opportunities for kinship families. So Lori, for, for those who want to get involved and get in touch with you, can you give us that uh, kinship um, website again, please? Yes, it is www.kinshipcommunityconnections.org. Great. Oh, wait, that's the website. Yeah, the website. website. Yeah. <laughs> you can also go to the Facebook page where there's a lot of action on the Facebook page, which is nice too. And it's the same thing, Kinship Community Connections. All right. Awesome. This has been great. I am so glad that um, there are all these opportunities for kinship families. Now we just need to get the word to them and have them feel comfortable um, getting involved. But um, I'm so glad that it, these things are available. I might have to crash the next ramping. Yeah. <laughs> you just got the pampering part. <laughs> That's the kind of camping that I can do. <laughs> As soon as I see my first bug, I'm out of there. But still, then, yeah, I can do that. Well, actually, I will invite you next year because we are definitely going to do it every year because it was so, I can't even tell you. There was a video. We have a video of it. Oh. And it's like, yeah, even when I watch the video, I get all teared up because like oh. the families were so happy, you know, like they were just sitting there. We We had a full dinner for them and some of the ladies you know got their nails done and stuff and it just we had an ice cream guy come and it was just the kids were thrilled and happy and the families were too and i was like oh my god we got to do this every year there it is i will send you guys an invite thank okay you. thank you Lori. it's been such a pleasure thank you guys so much for having me and hopefully you know learning about all these resources out there will make any type of you know isolation and and you know, stress, totally preventable. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very Thanks, much, Lori. All right. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.